subject of this message today is temptation. Everybody say temptation. Temptation. In the story that we just read, uh, the principal character is a person by the name of Judah. And Judah is the fourth of Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, Judah is Hebrew, and he marries a Canaanite woman whose name is Shua. Now, I want you to note and to be aware of this as we talk about sex and sexuality, that communities with different values approach sex and sexuality in different ways. And Judah was a Hebrew, and Shua, his wife, was a, a Canaanite. And they gave birth to three sons, their names being Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Ur, the oldest, marries a girl whose name was Tamar. And Ur was displeasing to the Lord, and he experiences a premature death. He dies early. Now, in biblical times, there was a law that was practiced called the Leveret Law. And the Leveret Law uh, is referenced in the New Testament, which says that if a man dies and uh, or if a man's brother dies and he leaves no he leaves his wife behind and he does not have any children then the next brother next oldest brother would marry that wife and that woman and produce offspring and the offspring would become the children of the first husband so that was the law that was practiced in biblical times. So the way we practice marriage today and the way marriage was viewed in the Bible is totally different. Marriage in biblical communities was not based on physical beauty or emotional compatibility. Marriage was based on partnering with a person who was going to help you execute a vision. Somebody say amen. amen. While we look for cute, the Bible was looking for effectiveness. Who's going to help execute a vision? And let me say, Valentine's Day just recently passed, so romance is important. But it is not as important as vision. Yeah. Somebody say amen. The Bible says that without a vision, not without chocolates, without a vision, people perish. And the perspective of the husband in the Bible was that we are responsible for vision that must outlive us and must be experienced by the generation to come. And so a prospective husband was required, somebody say required, was required to pay the father of his bride a healthy sum in exchange for the labor and childbearing potential of the wife. Yeah, now, ladies, don't get mad. I'm just, I'm just telling you the Bible here. Now, since a man paid a substantial sum for his wife's reproductive powers, and if he predeceased her, 
then those rights were not abolished. Those rights were retained. And so his next oldest brother would marry that woman and the children that they produced would be the children of the first husband. So Ur, the first brother, dies and his second brother, Onan, marries his widow whose name is Tamar. But Onan does not like this law. Onan does not want to raise somebody else's children. Um, And so what he would do um, after he married Tamar, he would disrupt the procreative process so that she would not get pregnant. You can read the text later on. Yeah. And so he dies early also. Well, Judah, the father of Ur and Onan, sees a pattern occurring. Every one of his sons that marries this woman dies a premature death. He has one son remaining. Judah ain't no fool. And so Judah promises Tamar that she could marry his third son, Shelah, once he becomes old enough. But Judah breaks his word and never gives her this son to marry. And Tamar feels betrayed by her father-in-law, Judah. Now, in addition to this, Tamar has a long time to think about her betrayal. Patience and vengeance is a deadly combination. She waits, but she's determined to have her justice. In the meantime, while she's waiting, Judah's wife dies also. So sometime after Judah's wife has passed, Judah takes a business trip. He travels on a business trip to a city called Timnah. And he's going to Timnah to take his sheep to be sheared at the market. Now let's, let's face it. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Cities are sexy places. All y'all, somebody in here from the country. People don't come from the city to go to the country. People go from the country to go to the city because the sights, the sounds, the, the clothes, the music, the entertainment, all attempt to accommodate our need to feel beautiful, look beautiful, smell beautiful, and then to enhance our ability to attract and interest others sexually. That's the city. And so our sexuality is more than our physicality. It's more than our physical act. Sexuality is also spiritual. Judah heads towards the city where his opportunity for fulfilling his sexual desires and maintaining his anonymity is much easier than it is in the small community where he lives. Y'all not following me, but y'all know I'm right. It's a big city. It's going to be easier to hide, easier to conceal himself. Now, in the meantime, while he's on his way to Timnah to the city to shear sheep, Tamar is back home still angry about how Judah has mistreated her. She gets the word that her father-in-law, whose wife has recently died, is traveling to the city of Timnah to take his sheep to the market. Timnah is located in the northern area of Judah, and it is incidentally, somebody say incidentally, Incidentally, the city where Samson would get his first wife. 
In other words, uh, Timnah was known as a place that would break a man down. Yeah. Timnah was a place of great temptation. You had to have your heart fixed and your mind made up if you decided to travel to the city of Timnah. And so um, I want to say this, my brothers and sisters, never overestimate your ability to manage temptation. You see, unresisted temptation always leads to some form of sin. And sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I wish I had some help in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tamar, 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 Tamar gets wind of the news that Judah is going to Timnah. Remember, she's been angry for a long time. Patient, but angry. Polite, but angry. Proper protocol. Yes, sir, Mr. Judah. I'll take care of that for you, Mr. Judah. No problem, Mr. Judah. Proper protocol, but angry. Yeah, what a deadly combination. You know, silent anger is a deadly thing. Yeah, all anger does not manifest itself in temper tantrums and pouting lips. Some anger is silent and it is deadly. And she uh, has peeked into his window. She understands her father-in-law. As quiet as it is kept, she understands that he has an appetite for secret sex. The last thing you want in your life is for somebody who is angry with you to understand that you have an appetite for secret sex. Note that Judah's wife is dead. That creates for him a sexual dilemma. Uh, and, but, and, and it also creates a, a dilemma for his weakness for secret sex. But, but, but if, if his wife had been alive, it, 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 if his wife was still living, you see, uh, a, living, a, a living wife uh, does not necessarily deal totally with one's appetite let me say, uh, a living spouse does not, does not deal necessarily with one's appetite for secret sex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it may not have mattered if she had been alive. Uh, um, um, his appetite would have still been there. And you see, there are things in the city. Somebody say in the city. There are things in the city, things that happen in the city that can make you forget about your marriage license, your marriage ring, and your marriage vows, and your promise to remain celibate until you are married. They happen in the city. And Tamar knew that Judah, her father-in-law, who was a good man, but she knew that he had a weakness for secret sex. And she knew she could exploit it with her anger. So she plots and she decides to pretend to be a prostitute on the side of the road on his way to Timia. Note this, note this, note this. Sexual temptation is always experienced when you're on the road to someplace prosperous. I was on my way to college to earn my degree. But I got pregnant on the way and had a baby. I was on my way to the Senate to represent my nation, my community. But I had an affair with another 
person. I was on my way to pastor church when the press got news of my extramarital affair. Sexual temptation is always on the road to a good family, uh, to a bright future, to a position of influence, to a, a reputation of integrity. It's always on the road when you're going somewhere prosperous. And sexual temptation, if it's not defeated, will lead to poor decisions, risky behavior, feelings of regret. It will tie your tongue, shift your eyes, make you sweat when it's not hot. Yeah, but most of all, if you uh, are not careful, it will make you overestimate your ability to cover it up. Yeah. So on his way to Timnah, Judah sees a good-looking prostitute. A deceased wife, two dead sons, and a prostitute that does not look destitute. Combined with his weakness for secret sex. And if one is not disciplined... And committed on the road to Timnah, they're going to fall into temptation. This is an opportunity. You see, what's happening here is opportunity and temptation meeting at the same place. Everybody has temptation. And everybody has opportunity. But sometimes you have temptation when you don't have the opportunity. And then there are other times when you have the opportunity when you don't necessarily have the temptation. But if it happens to you that on the same day, at the same time, at the same corner, opportunity and temptation meet together, you're in trouble. You see, Judah is not some fly-by-night guy. He's not a neophyte in matters of decision-making. He has made critical mistakes before. He knows what it means to make a poor decision. It was Judah along with his brothers who allowed their anger with their, to the, with their younger brother Joseph to sell him into slavery, to lie about it to their father, and then to take his coat of many colors, dip it in goat's blood, and present it to their father as evidence that would back up their lie. But all people, listen, not all people, not just Judah, all people have terrible mistakes and poor choices and poor decisions as a part of their history. Doesn't matter how holy you are now, hallelujah, and how sanctified you are now and how you want to get somebody straight now. If we just look at your history, we will see things in your history that say that you also have some issues and some things that have occurred in your life that are poor decisions and bad choices. And many of them are in the arena that offends us most with others, the arena of sexuality. Some of us don't know that there are more sins than sexual sins, but that's the one sin that offends us most because it is our sexual sins that we hide the most. And anytime we see them in other people, it reminds us of what we're trying to keep hidden ourselves. Yeah. Judah, 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 Judah. Stable and respectable, even admirable. Has a great business. He's doing very well. But in every, listen at this, listen at this, in every stable, respectable, and admirable environment, if you look long enough, you search hard enough, you're going to discover that somewhere in there, 
is some inappropriate sexual behavior. There's going to always be temptations. Always going to be resistance to temptation. And there's going to always be yielding to temptation somewhere in the environment. And in this situation, Judah is about to meet his match. Listen to the scripture. Judah propositions the prostitute in disguise, not knowing that this is his daughter-in-law. Here's what the Bible says about the conversation. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over by her on the roadside and said, come now and let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send a goat. I I can pay for it. I'll send you a young goat from my flock. He said, "Uh, you can have curry goat for the next month. Don't worry about it. I got got this. So she she said, well, will you give me something as a pledge? I need a deposit until you send the goat. I ain't no fool either, but I need something until you send the goat. He said, well, what pledge should I give you? And she says, your seal and its cord and the staff on your hand, your seal and its cord and the staff on your hand. Everybody say, Judah, don't do it. (laughs) And so he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him. Everybody say, oh, no. And after she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Everybody said, oh, man. The magnitude of the temptation was so great that Judah momentarily lost his mind. Yeah, he he, he could not, he could not, the the, the temptation blocked his ability to think critically. And what he does in this instance, because his temptation is so strong that he's willing in this moment, he wouldn't do it any other time, but in this moment, he's willing to give up his seal, the cord, and the staff, his primary means of identification, and put it in the hands of a prostitute long enough to get his needs satisfied and then long enough to get the goat and get it back he believes and he's hoping that what has happened to so many other people will not happen to him sometimes you get caught the first time sometimes the 101st time sometimes the 1000th and first time but eventually all of us get caught It catches up with us. Judah mishandled his temptation. The enemy, the devil, loves to try to prove that we love gratification more than we love God. And Judah's secret sex with the so-called prostitute results in a surprising pregnancy. Back home three months later, Judah is informed while he's sitting on his porch drinking a glass of iced tea getting ready to watch Carolina and Duke about 1 o'clock this afternoon. He's sitting there and as he's watching, he's watching and waiting. While he's there, his, his, his concentration is interrupted by the news that his daughter-in-law, Tamar, who is to be married to his son, Shelah, is pregnant. Three months pregnant. Three months pregnant. Now, I want to say this about sexual sins. Guilty people can be very cruel. 
Judah, who is guilty of the same thing as Tamar is accused of. But uh, he, he has a motivation here. He does not want his remaining son to marry her. And he sees this pregnancy as his opportunity to prevent Shelah from ever marrying this girl. So the pregnancy becomes something he can rejoice in. So the law says to kill her, burn her. And so uh, upon hearing that she's pregnant, Judah easily does not think about it, doesn't contemplate it, uh, doesn't have to meditate on it, doesn't have to sleep on it, doesn't have to pray on it when he hears it. He easily says, let her burn, burn her. It's legal and she deserves it. Yeah. But Tamar stays cool. She doesn't get flustered. She doesn't, she doesn't rebel. She, she's cool. She says, yeah, I understand. I'm pregnant. I'm supposed to marry him said, I'm supposed to die. She said, but, but before I beat my maker, I have some things in my possession that I must relinquish before my time of execution. Yeah, and she, she, she goes and pulls out these things. She said, I'm pregnant by the man who owns these. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal... And cord and staff, these are. The story you have heard is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. (laughs) Judah recognizes the cord, the seal, and the staff. There are times when you wish that you didn't recognize the cord, the seal, and the staff. It's always right to tell the truth. But it's hard to tell the truth when the truth is the only thing that you can tell. It's best to tell the truth when you have options. You see, because the truth will eventually come out. Judah is busted. He says she is more righteous than I am because I would not give her my son. Yielding to temptation will eventually get us busted. Let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about sexual temptation. Judah is a direct ancestor in Jesus's genealogy. He's one of Jesus's blood relatives, and he struggled with sexual temptation. What I want to say today is that sexual temptation is a very common experience. It is not a foreign experience. The struggle with our sexuality and how to express our sexuality is always a struggle with human and for human beings. And so I want us to try to release the surprise when we discover that someone is struggling 
with their sexual expression. Yes, uh, virtually all adolescents for your growth group sheets, virtually all adolescents and adults experience sexual temptation. You may have forgotten about it. You may not be able to remember it, but virtually all adolescents and adults experience sexual temptation. Like Judah, most people vacillate, vacillate between what should be and what is. Sexual failure is not a matter of ignorance in most instances. It is a matter of weakness or a lack of commitment. Either we are unwilling or we lack the spiritual tools to resolve to how to fight this battle. We may know what is the right thing to do, but we find ways to justify yielding to temptations. Judah's proposal to the prostitute. You remember that line, let me sleep with you. His proposal to the prostitute reveals a problem with Judah's heart. Judah has sin in his heart. Secret sex usually leads to secret sin. Or, let me say that a different way, secret sex is usually sinful sex. Judah's proposition has nothing to do with Tamar. Though Tamar would have taken the brunt of the shame and the guilt, she would have been looked upon differently than Judah. His proposition to her has nothing to do with her at all. It could have been Tamar. It could have been Tammy. It could have been Tabitha. It could have been Tarantula. He would have done the same thing. Because sexual feelings are so strong in adolescence, I counsel and encourage parents of adolescents to talk to their children, not yell at their children, to talk to their children and teach their children and to... Uh, teach their children the word of God and to model biblical sexual practices before them. For your growth group sheet, healthy people rarely avoid sexual temptation. All of us, I said healthy people, Rarely avoid sexual temptation. All of us experience sexual temptation. God does not condemn temptation. God has a problem with how we manage the temptation. What concerns God is how we deal with the temptations that face us. But it is impossible for us to avoid temptation. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. For God does not tempt anyone with evil. But each one of us, when he is tempted, 
is tempted by his own desire. And when he is dragged away and enticed, and then after desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. In the midst of temptation, because we all are tempted, God promises to help us during times of temptation. God will help us, but we have to want the help. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So God will provide a way of escape for us. Thirdly, for your growth group, admit that your struggle is your struggle. Somebody say amen. Admit you don't have to feel odd or strange because you possess a strong sexual drive. Uh, But you have to admit that your struggle is your struggle. Some people have a struggle with Krispy Kreme donuts and some people have a struggle with other things. other things. But the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, is any one of you in trouble? There are times in your life in the midst of sexual temptation that you're going to be in trouble. If he's in trouble, he should pray. If he's happy, let him sing songs of praise. If he's sick, he should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will make the sick person well And the Lord will raise him up. Now listen at this. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And then it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. In other words, you cannot overcome an issue that you are not willing to admit that you have. And that's what the purpose of confession is in the spiritual context of the church, that we would admit to those who we are in community with and who we have close relationship with and who are helping us in our spiritual growth. And we admit our weaknesses so that we can be healed. We can over overcome that which we acknowledge. Monitor what you're exposed to. You have to be careful what you allow your mind to experience. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things and think on these things. In other words, limit what limit what you expose your mind to, particularly in the area of your great temptations. And then finally, uh, if you lose the battle. If you lose a battle, regroup and fight again, but fight to win. If you lose a battle, you may lose lose a battle. Part of the human experience along the road to spiritual development, we lose some battles. Somebody say amen. Some of those battles are in the context of sexual behavior. We lose some battles. But when you lose a battle, regroup 
and fight again. James chapter 4, 7, and I know you have the Romans passage. Read that in your leisure. James chapter 4, 7 says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. That means fight. And he will flee from you. One of the things that's important for us to maintaining our witness for the Lord and maintaining our witness with some level of integrity is for us to fight this fight of sexual temptation and to deal properly with the temptations that all of us experience. But we are encouraged by the fact, somebody say encouraged, encouraged by the fact that God does not condemn us because we are tempted. But God helps us in the midst of our temptation, and he gives us strength to overcome. Let's stand to our feet.